0: Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillon and Stephen Craig. This is episode 121. So before we start, like we do every week, uh, we'll have the Twitter chat info stuff on May 25th this week. So it's same same as every week, Friday at 1 p.m. Central Time. Uh, use the hashtag Macrofab to join the conversation. Um, meetup info, which is actually this week. May 23rd at 6pm at Macrofab HQ in Houston We'll have Brandon from Particle And he is going to give a talk about Particle and IoT And stuff like that um, We're also going to be you know, streaming it on Twitch for non-Houstonians It's going to be twitch.tv slash Macrofab Or just click the link below um, And then we have the Houston Hardware Happy Hour Which is the first Thursday of each month it's, This next one is June 7th at uh slug pokes so come by bring hacks drink beer drink coffee eat food there um steven unfortunately will not be making it because he will be on his way to colorado so actually at that time i will be in colorado ah okay yeah so and i think steven is going to try to put together a denver houston happy hour
1: that's the plan right now uh yeah i want a to denver houston happy hour yeah no
0: <laughs> hardware Happy Hour. A,
1: a, yeah a denver hardware happy hour yeah. uh so uh you know g- g- Keep in touch with this uh, podcast because we'll have more information. Once I get settled in there and I kind of figure out where's a good place to do it, I'm gonna try to set up a Denver chapter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm um, hopefully we can like alternate the weeks and so like sometimes I can go up there.
0: Yeah and just, I'll
1: be I will certainly be back here.
0: Yeah, just go up there drink beer and come back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know flights are actually really cheap. Yeah. So, uh, for less than a hundred bucks, you can go from Houston into downtown Denver. That includes the trip from the airport to downtown for less than a hundred bucks. So. Yeah, and if you text Stephen, he can be your personal Uber. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to find his
0: number first. Yeah, yeah. You got. You got. To... You might find it on the bathroom stall at Slowpoke's. <laughs> yeah, for
1: a good time
0: <laughs> call. <laughs> for an analog engineer. Yeah, call. for a nerd. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was about to be on the side of the road with a with a cardboard analog engineer, <laughs> hungry. <laughs> Feed burgers. Will design boards for food. For food, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Stephen, what have you been up to this past week? You know, so. Um, with kind of like all the moving stuff um, going on like I, I don't really have a lab available right now so most of my stuff has been just like playing around on my computer or research kind of like what we were talking about last podcast where mm-hmm. you just sit on the couch and research a lot of stuff but um, I actually resurrected an old schematic that I was working on from like a year ago uh, for an and a guitar amplifier that I was just playing around with. I have like eight Uh, schematics that are just, like, kind of in flux with guitar amps that probably will never get built. It's more just, like, I like drawing the schematic and, like, envisioning, envisioning thinking about, yeah, how it'll thinking about what it will do kind of thing and this is one of them that might actually come to fruition we'll see maybe in the next couple months i might do something on it regardless i was just playing around with it and um i, I kind of came up with a uh specialty circuit like a like a utility circuit that plugs into the amplifier that i wanted to share um just not because like there's anything super special going on but because uh, it might just be helpful to someone it might be fun so this is actually the switching circuit in the amplifier so this amplifier has two channels that are switchable via either a switch on the front panel or a foot switch. Okay. Um, so when you're playing your guitar you can hit the foot switch with your foot and the amplifier will rearrange its internals to sound different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so uh, if you actually go to macfabcom slash podcast and look for episode 121, in the podcast notes we'll have a PDF of the schematic so you can follow along if you want to. So uh, the schematic, I've got it kind of sectioned off where the, the top section is some transistor logic and then the section section is some kind of digital logic and 555 stuff. Uh, so the, the top section is basically all it does is um, make sure that LEDs on the front panel switch properly to whatever channel. <laughs> uh, so the left I side I looking at and I'm like what the uh, this is interesting. Yeah, it's it's basically just like a whole bunch of high low transition and stuff. It's got an LED on the foot switch too. And yeah, so the the foot switch side is actually a separate box yeah, I I was, I, I
0: was confused about that in uh, a little bit and then I realized oh, because you drew that ground symbol and I'm like, why is that there for a foot switch? And I'm like, oh, he, you're just referencing
1: that it's ground because it goes through right. the connector that's labeled foot switch one. Right, right, yeah. And and the the, the, the foot switch and foot switch one—that's my schematic symbol for a coax cable.
0: Gotcha. And that's the coax okay.
1: that connects down gotcha. to the. Yeah. And a coax only has two pins. Yeah. Uh, uh, sh- or two two wires. Shield and the center. Center. Core. Yeah. And and so there's an LED in the foot switch, but if you if all you have is just two conductors, all you can do is pass current through it and that's it yeah so uh, in order to switch channels you just have to short those two which if you short those two then it turns the LED off but if I do that then I need it to cascade and do all the other stuff down the line so you know this is this is something that I just threw together I actually haven't built this but it's kind of simple so I, I bet it would work um Regardless, what I w- kind of wanted to uh, go over is th- th- the whole top section, basically all it is, is if-, if you see over on the right side, it said signal in. There's like a bus for signal yep. in. Uh, that's that's the foot switch signal. So if-, if you're on one channel, that is pulled low to okay. zero. And if you're on the other channel, it goes up to five. Gotcha. Uh, really, where, where what I wanted to show is what's underneath that, is that kind of all that digital stuff. So what I created here was a circuit that was a dual-edge detector. So if you see a transition from 0 to 5 volts, or if you see a transition from 5 to 0, so going either the direction, direction. what will happen Positive is... Positive edge or negative edge. That's right, yeah. So, so uh, U9 is an XOR gate, the exclusive OR gate, which the an exclusive OR will have an output high if the uh if the two inputs are opposite of each other if the two inputs are the same you know one one or zero zero then it's low so what happens uh, in this like first section here with this xor gate one of the lines to this xor gate has four inverters which high low high low Mm -hmm. uh it, it it basically just uh, it's a it delay line. delay, yeah. Yeah, so what happens is when that signal in goes from zero to five or five to zero, one of the legs of the XOR gate is slow, slightly slower yeah, than depending the Depending on other. what kind of
0: gate technology that is, it's like, I'm going to bet you... It, Nanoseconds. Yeah, it's going to be like, it's probably CMOS, is it TTL CMOS or what What do yeah, you look at? TTL CMOS. Okay, so it's yeah. probably, those are usually like... This is all 74HC And it's 5 stars. volt. Yep. So it's probably, it's been a long time since i looked at those data sheets, but it's like tw- 12 to 20 nanoseconds per gate?
1: I believe, if I remember right, in fact, yeah, no, the, these, this specific hex inverter that I chose here is 20 nanoseconds. So there's about 80 nanoseconds worth of delay yeah. uh, right there. So what that does is whenever you get either transition, that XOR gate is going to go high for 80 nanoseconds and then go low. Uh, so One thing
0: I can see here mm-hmm. is I want to see if, if your math is right on your delays is look at your hex inverter and see how the gate speed, because they will have a graph for it, mm-hmm. how the gate c- speed changes with, with temperature. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then see if you're running into a condition where you, that input changes before that, that uh, XOR gate can change.
1: That would be interesting. I'd ha- I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I don't know out. if eighty yeah. nanoseconds is enough for that XOR gate or not. I've seen this implementation with fewer than four um, mm-hmm. hex inverters. I put four mainly because I had a six. You want to play it in Antarctica? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, like I hadn't, I hadn't thought about doing this over temperature. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, They're part I mean, the, the 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 reality is, this is going to be inside of a box that actually gets hot. Yeah. So yeah. it's I, probably okay.
0: You put it if you put this thing in like in Antarctica and got it down to like absolute zero, it would never work because it's just superconductor. It's it super conduct- <laughs> Yeah, like it's perfect. The,
1: the hex inverters are invisible. Yeah, to time. That. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so yeah, uh, so basically this XOR gate <laughs> sends out a positive pulse yeah, anytime yeah, yeah. you switch channels. Uh, so then I throw that through another inverter uh, to make that normally high, and then it sends out a low pulse, mm-hmm. uh, which triggers a 555 timer. So um, it says signal in over here, zero yep. volts clean. Yep. What's OD? Overdrive. Not overly dirty? Uh, it, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so there's a, there's a uh, they call it a dirt or a distortion or an overdrive okay, okay. channel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the OD is just a shorthand for it. Uh, so yeah, so I, I send that uh, through into that uh, 555 timer. And uh, the 555 timer, if you see that pin uh, three, the output, it goes off to a uh, mute pulse. So mm. basically, what I have is a JFET that's connected right at the output output of my preamp okay. and and this jfet a jfet normally has uh, really really high resistance between its its pins yep. until you send it the appropriate pulse based off of its a p or an n style yep uh and it basically goes it acts as like a, a variable resistor with very low resistance so this mute pulse will short out that jfet and short out the exit uh, the end of the um Preamp and basically any pop that goes from all the relays and other things that are switching in my preamp, if there is a pop, it gets shorted to ground for a very short period of time, and that period of time is actually adjustable by uh, uh, VR uh, seventeen in this uh, schematic here. So so that's that's your. Whatever the pulse is, runtime. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, I have a I have a very specific pulse for the XOR gate. Yep. But I have a variable pulse for the 555, so I can tweak it, tweak it. once I'm done. Uh, and, and actually, technically, I, I probably don't even need the 555 timer, because what you can do is the, the four transition line mm-hmm. uh, gates, you could replace that with just an RC filter.
0: Yeah. I was actually
1: thinking like an RC
0: filter with a trim pot. Yep. And you could tweak that, and then when it hits the threshold voltage of that XOR gate That's right. or inverter or whatever and gate it, it's and going in into. in reality,
1: it would just be a trim pot where I just turn it until I don't hear a pop anymore. Yeah. Uh, but the, the reason why I went with this 555 timer is because it's just like an extra 20 cents, yep. and I don't know how long of a pulse I need. And the 555 timer is just very, very explicit. So I just went with that. So regardless, this whole the, – the entirety of what you see here is just – here to be able to accept a low to high transition or a high to low transition and to mute my preamp for a very specific amount of time in either way yeah um so i thought i might just share that because it's a it's a cool little tack on circuit that, mm-hmm. that gives you a little bit of utility in here um, it's interesting that this is your
0: solution to that and i would just stick an efm8 microcontroller <laughs> on
1: there <laughs> there's a there's there's a reason why it did this. so why, why did you choose this uh, first of all, I like doing this. It's fun. Well, but, yeah, but, but it's a utility reason. I've done microcontrollers multiple times in guitar amps, mm-hmm. uh, and I haven't done this. Uh so like okay. I'm going backwards in technology just out of fun. I've done the whole microcontroller thing multiple times. I've I've done the, I've done the thing where it's like it's smart, it knows where it is, it knows what it's doing. It, you know, it rejects bad things, it, you know, mm-hmm. I even have some where like uh, a microcontroller's in charge of the high voltage power where it'll like slowly bring things up or if you change states, it won't just like jump between two high voltages, it'll ramp down between mm-hmm. voltages. I've done stuff like that where there's a lot of smart in it, but I was like I just want to do something in this style, oh, yeah. but when I was doing this, I actually had a question that came to mind, and I want I want to ask you this question Okay. Uh, because this is a little bit I don't know the answer to it. Um, I have an idea, but I don't know the answer. So I think you could make a pretty decent argument that this is uh, goes into an analog circuit, and this is sort of analogy, yeah, right. So sort of, but not because I'm using digital chips that are like you know, gate level logic chips that go in this. So is this part digital? Is this mostly analog? Like where's the boundary between that? Like what do, what would I have to do for this to be considered digital or? So
0: in my mind, all that digital means is there's thresholds. Okay. So when you hit a threshold, something happens. Got it. Below it, it's something else. Um, and, So, if it can only exist in two states, then it's digital. Yeah. And actually, looking at your your transistors up there, you're using them as on offs. That this whole thing is digital. This whole thing is digital.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Because, like, I noticed you're using two N3904s, and I'm like, ah the transistor that digital people use because we just use it on and off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have much of a we use it those. doesn't have much of a linear range yeah, we, to it. Th- that's like the
1: transistor It's I like use, the default transistor. Yeah, yeah. to
0: power uh, like if I'm doing a high side P channel MOSFET, yep. that's why I use to turn it off and on from a microcontroller. Yep. So like if I'm turning off a 12 volt signal, I'm like, well, I can't use a microcontroller pin because it's only 3.3 volts and you can't drive that P channel up high enough. So you just use a 2N3904.
1: And, and if you need a uh, a PNP, it's a 3906. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and in fact, a lot of reason why I use 3904s and 3906s is because in the very they're first... Cheap. Well, they're cheap. <laughs> but in the very first simulation software that I got, the only two transistors that were, were available two? were those two. So, like, they're just sort of my defaults. Like, I have, like, a BC555 and 557, 567, I can't remember. Like, those are more, I guess... Analogy and more like Mm amplifiery, like however you want to define them. But like if I'm doing switching stuff and I just want a generic jelly bean PNP or a BJT, it's 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 going to be a 3904.
0: The thing though is that if you put this together and put it inside your amp. People would be like, oh, that's cool. But if you just put a FM8 QFN 20 in there, people are like, what the hell is that? Oh, yeah. It's going to sound terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And though it does nothing besides just look at two signals and output another signal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Exactly. And so the thing is, everything that you see on this page, there's no there's no like transition between anything uh, i mean there's a, there's a uh, what i mean by that is this exists everything on this page between zero and five volt nothing in between yeah, it. there's nothing it's between. zero five volt with some uh exceptions like the leds hold the bases of the transistors at a slightly different and, voltage. Oh, no, actually no there is one analog section here
0: what's that your your discharge on your 505 uh, I mean the discharge. I mean you got an R C circuit there. I I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean that's what it's but, doing is but, it's ramping until it hits that it's, it's cutoff,
1: and then it shorts it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I mean that's what it does.
1: <laughs> so I've got this set up as what are they? There's three ways to set up a five 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 timer. There's the A-stable, the monostable, and the there's a third one. I can't remember. This is the one shot pulse. One shot pulse, yeah. Yeah. So you have to reset the five 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 for it to be able to. Uh, do another pulse do another pulse but the reset happens as soon as your input pulse goes back north yep. so i trigger on the on the pulse down, down which is you know from the xor gate and then it gets reset 80 nanoseconds later so uh i mean i've got this set up as a as a as a one shot and the output's supposed to be very sharp i want it to be sharp because i want the mute to be off and then on yeah as fast as it can be um because if you, you, you don't want a sawtooth on there, well, technically, technically you could, but at some point you would actually hear you would hear the sound go wop wha- back in oh, okay, yeah. as the JFET kind of like See, some closes might like that, and open. Though. It's like a soft start thing. Yeah, I have a whop knob. <laughs> yeah, the whop trimmer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have actually tried that once to to make because you don't want okay. So you don't want the JFET opening too fast because if it opens too fast, it can send a pulse uh, or pop down the line. So you know, th- there is a little bit of like trimming available mm-hmm. there, but but that's like an extreme case. I've I've actually never really run into that, um, and I've I've implemented something similar to this before with uh, a a PIC microcontroller actually. <laughs> <laughs> so thought I might share that. It's a fun little circuit. Can you do, fun uh, uh
0: for the slow ramp ramp in, you can just stick a cap on the on the input of that JFET. The gate. Or uh, it's equivalent to a gate. Uh yeah,
1: yeah, you can. Yeah. So as long as you don't try to hammer too fast with a PWM or anything. You know, okay. I actually this this brings up a little bit of a uh slightly separate um topic. BJT's JFETs, MOSFETs. All, like, the ones that I feel like I have, like, memorized are BJTs. Like, I know how a BJT works. See, I'm, but, I'm, I'm i MOSFET is what I know. <laughs> well, like, JFETs, JFETs and, um, JFETs are depletion devices. Yep. But MOSFETs, you can buy enhancement or depletion. Yep. So they work opposite of each other. And then you uh, within each one of those you have N and P, and it's one of those things where like every, every time I think I remember it, I always like oh I need a enhancement N type uh, MOSFET, and then I go on like wait do I really need that or do I need a depletion style? like like I'm always I, I don't know it always just gets me confused. I always have to like look it up and be like oh yeah this one does this yeah. like a uh, I think um yeah a JFET is a normally on device and you have to deplete it in order to turn it off, and so you have to have it at voltage, basically. Yep. I don't know. It's goofy, regardless. Uh, that's a rant. There you go. <laughs> BJTs are the only ones where I was like, I got this. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm the exact opposite. Like, BJTs, I just don't play around with them enough. I'm like, drive it to saturation. <laughs> that's all <what> I do. <laughs> yeah, actually, that, that, funny enough, I was designing some other circuits the, uh, the other day, um, and that's one thing I really like about BJTs, is because you pretty much know what the base voltage is That's the VBE true. yeah uh, it, it changes with current it changes with temperature but it's graphed out and well, yeah well yeah but like in your calculations you know like the value to use if you go look up practically any small signal mosfet it's going to give you a vgs which is the turn on threshold voltage yep. and if you're lucky it might give you a typical value most of the time they just give you here's what we Think it will be max, you know, yeah. and it'll be like four volts. Yeah, but tr- it might be two.
0: Yeah, the you tr- know? <laughs> the trick with is you just have to look at, you look for small signal stuff if you're doing like microcontroller stuff because that's what's going to turn on around three point three volts. But then you're looking for that VGS, and then you look into they have a chart yep. where they say depending on the drain source voltage, what the VGS current can be, or like at a certain VGS, what the current. The VDS. the VDS yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So because you shouldn't have any GS current. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, you or have VG a little bit. Current. There shouldn't IG. You should. You have a little bit. You know, it always is leakage. Uh, but it should be incredibly tiny. I mean, it's basically your signal's going into a small piece of glass. You depends, know, inside though. the chip. It actually makes. If you start PW, I mean, it actually makes a lot of. Problems. Well, it's a capacitor. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're sending an, a, uh, an AC signal to it, you got different things. But yeah. if if you're just switching it on, That's then true. it yeah. should if, just be.
0: If it's if you're doing a solid 100% duty cycle, then, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I, li- I, like,
1: I like how power to you is 100% PWM. <laughs> Get pull high. Ground is just zero PWM, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're nerds. Uh Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so what have you been up to, Parker? No, I, I got it. Okay. I'm going to pull it high to 100% duty cycle. Oh, okay. You, so you're going to stop pulling it low every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. You're just going <laughs> to always pull it high. i always <laughs> pulled it high.
0: Okay, so I've been working on the Game Boy a bit. Um, I have been updating my blog, as I said I would be. So, it's got two posts on there now. Hey, congratulations. Since, uh, I said I was going to start posting more. You win a beer. Thank you. Um, what are you pointing at? Ah, he spilled beer on his face. <laughs> um, so, I've been working on the game board design. I added level shifters to it. Because I had to convert the 5 volts on the Game Boy to 3.3 volts. I'm using the chip I, I like a lot, which is the SN74LVC8T245. I think it's the SORC. You think about that when you go to bed, don't you? Yeah, I'm like, uh, oh, I like that chip. Yeah,
1: that chip is great. <laughs>
0: um, I think it's the t package I'm using. I can't remember. I think it's PWR is what TI's extension is. Um, Does
1: it have, like, a big pad underneath it?
0: No. Okay. No. These aren't, like, power... Uh, power level shifters or like just to do like digital logic
1: and this is a ttl stuff right
0: yeah um well it depends it's converting like five volt cmos oh my bad yeah this whatever. is level shift yeah level okay. shifting. yeah so um it's inherently one side of it might be TTL. yeah and actually yeah. It, it depends like you you give it what that side voltage is so like the five volt side it's getting five volts and so it knows the that, that's what it's getting. So oh, it it's, it's a
1: choose-your-own-adventure.
0: Yeah, choose-your-own-adventure level shifter. <laughs> um, and then on the
1: other side... <laughs> Turn to page 73 for fun. On the volts. other side,
0: you can put whatever voltage you want. You can go up to 5.5 volts, I think is what it is, all the way down to, like, 0.8. Oh, that's cool. Or is it 1.2? Is,
1: is it isolated, or is it just straight past
0: through? It's It's not isolated. Okay. Um, and then it's it's an 8-bit level shifter. Um, and... It's bi-directional, so if you put a 1 on one pin and then put a 0, it'll shift it around. But the thing is you have to use all 8 one way, one all 8 the other way. You can't just individually turn. But you can once. dynamically change Yeah, that. you can change that. And it's got an yeah. output enable. So the output enable and the direction is controlled by the FPGA. And I have those pulled up and down. It gets output enable uh, active low. And so I have it pulled up. Yeah, and then I have 100 percent, and then I had the, and then I had the, the direction pins, um, by default pulled up. No, they're pulled down so that it's always inputted into the FPGA, so that way when the FPGA boots up, because it takes time for it to configure itself, that the Game Boy doesn't freak out.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: Because yeah. I want it to be like the Game Boy doesn't know it's there while the FPGA is booting up. Gotcha. Um, and so I'm using two of these because the uh, there's like five or six lines I need from the LCD to do display, and then I, I wanted um, to read the buttons, and the buttons are matrix, and so I needed to pull the entire matrix bus, and I put that on a separate bus so that way I can actually um, pull in the data. And if like I read a certain button combo, it the FPGA can actually drive the Game Boy to do a button combo, so you can like do like you know pre-recorded button puts and stuff ah. so might not get that far in the project but that's eh, getting there um let's see i'm going to do a we've talked about this a little bit the flat flex cable because mm-hmm. it's really hard to find this 21 pin 0.5 millimeter pitch connector and so i'm thinking i'm just going to make a flat flex cable that kind of just
1: solders on the board flex
0: PCB PCB yeah Yeah. and so one will just plug into the game board the other one plugs into the screen board and then those just get soldered onto the onto the FPGA board and so I'm going to document that on my blog of like how I designed that because I have I don't have any idea so I'm going to just read some I don't know where I'm going to get built yet so I got to find a manufacturer and be like okay I'm going to use these guys and then read how to do it and how oh, so that? How how to do it? Check, I've never done it before.
1: Check out the uh, JLC PCB. Yeah. Um, they. So I can't remember the name of the place. Easy Easy EDA. Mm-hmm. Might have been them. They, they they use JLC PCB for a while for their PCB services, and they've decided to break off and not do PCBs. But um, JLC offers really competitive price PCBs, and I think they do flat flex. They do flat flex. And uh, they're cheap. Okay. The real cheap. So right. I looked and Osh Park doesn't do flat flex yet. Yeah. Purple flex. Purple flex. <laughs> hey, Osh Park. We got that trademarked. Yeah. Trademark. <laughs> purple flex. <Yeah>. Purple flex. <laughs> if you want that, you'll have to give us free PCBs for life. I, I'd be fine with beer. <laughs> or a six-pack of beer. six-pack six of beer. And you can use
0: flat flex TM. a <laughs> T- purple flex TM. Purple flex, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so what's left to do is that cable... And so I'm going to try to work on that cable this weekend because it's Memorial Day weekend. So I have three days of, like, I could do whatever I want to do. So I'm going to do that. And Parker spends it designing flat flex PCBs. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, it's going to be, like, sunny, beautiful, like, 70 degrees out. and I'm going to be like, close the shades. <laughs> close the shades and then you
1: put shades on. Shades on. on. <laughs> the screen's too bright? <laughs> yeah. And, and put, like, weird electronic music in the background. <laughs> It's, it's going to be like that uh, you play
0: the music that's uh, the soundtrack Human Music from oh, Rick and Morty. Yeah, 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 Human
1: Music. <laughs> <laughs> that was um, a great episode. The,
0: uh, so what's left to do is that the VGA connector so I got to find one design it put it in um, and then do the 3.3 uh, 3, uh, 3. 3 volt TTL to analog for the VGA and I'm going to do that with a resistor network because that's what currently works on my FPGA, and it's only, like, what,
1: 12-bit um, color? So, four bits per color. So, the color is dependent upon the tolerance of your resistors? Well, you get, like, 1%, but yeah. But, so, I mean, could you make it, like, kind of, like, grainy and nasty if you use different mean, yeah, high you, tolerance? Or you just lowered the, how many bits you're using. Hmm. Because like I wonder if you got like really really high tempco resistors, well, so and fuck they they yeah shift like in. you heat them up and like the screen would warp or the colors would I would yeah the colors would because the um... the screen is fixed or the, yeah, the, the positioning your, is
0: positioning your frequency is fixed because yeah. it's just a digital signal but yeah. your colors yes that would be cool hmm there you go it's like circuit bending for VGA with a heat gun
1: a heat gun <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: And another thing i'm going to add is i'm going to add a serial terminal to it which i'm just going to put like a ft-230x uh ftdi chip on there because so i've never actually done that on fpga before i've done it all the time in microcontroller worlds but i've never done that on the fpga so oh so to, you just you you've always done it through whatever other programming method oh no the, you always program them with whatever dongle like uh altera uses usb blaster the brand
1: um, can, can I ask a question? Why why is it called a dongle? Like, why why is that the word? Like, we get made fun of enough, engineers. Like, why did we have to go with the word dongle for
0: this? Know.
1: Like Ask 60s engineers. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that, there, there we go. Side tangent. Okay, continue. Yeah, so you, um,
0: you played but, with your dongle uh, to
1: get the yeah, FPGAs yes.
0: working. Yeah, so but I've never implemented a serial terminal. Mainly, I want it for debug information because as i've been developing this like you can input, you can have a like embedded um signal analyzer like a like a digital logic analyzer you can embed one in uh, they have different names for what they are in their programs and stuff but um you can just add that in which is fine except that it it's they're always kind of clunky to use and they're not perfect um but it's really the only real way to see what's going on inside the FPGA, but I'd like, I want to just report like button states. I think it'd be better to be able to do that at runtime, like as it's working through the serial terminal. So I'm going to try to implement a, you know, a, you know, uh, a, uh, what serial terminal TTL logic thing. And a button reporter do like, you know, uh, 9600 baud stuff like that really simple 8 and 1
1: go, you can go way faster than that I
0: know you can go real fast but I don't need to <laughs> um, and there's like I looked online really quickly before the podcast and there's like tons of like I can just download something to make it work but I think I'm actually going to try to implement it on my own just see
1: all I, the way down to gate level
0: well it is gate level yeah <laughs> take this register and shift it out
1: <laughs> pretty much
0: yeah cool But I've implemented like level shift, not level shifts, um, uh, I've implemented like um, uh, shift registers and stuff, like a 555, not 595, 74HC 595. I've implemented those into FPGAs and stuff, and it's pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I I don't expect that to be too difficult to do. It's just I've never done it before, so I'm going to try it. Hey, cool. Um, Like, that's how the, um, on my first pinball machine I ever designed, the Reset Vector The screen ran off an FPGA, and it was that big LED matrix, and it actually, the uh, parallax propeller, which was driving all the code and like the audio video and and the solenoids solenoids and all that stuff, stuff, um, it actually looked, It it basically I used my 74HC595 driver and just expanded it by how many ever bytes it was that the display was. (laughs) So just instead of doing eight bits at a time, it was doing like 1,000 some odd. And so this makes an expanded seven four five
1: nine five, and so it works. Y- you know, uh, it's slow, but it works. I, I'm, I think I, I think I mentioned this before, but uh, there's a there's a company I'm, I'm probably not at liberty to say their name, but I spoke to a handful of their engineers about some products that they designed, mm-hmm. and on this the product they designed, they had uh, there's all kinds of LEDs, like tons of LEDs across the front of it, and um, they they confided in me that. Every single one of those LEDs is on one bit stream from, like, just a string of 595s. Five yeah. And so when when they need to update one LED, they update, like, 150 lines <laughs> uh, and then just, like, hammer them all at once. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you gotta if you got a processor fast enough, you, you won't see it. I mean, it, you don't really have to update it that fast. And 150 bits is not that much, really. Well,
0: it's not in- you don't have to really worry about that because it doesn't actually flip to the next register until you hit the latch line. So you can be really slow clocking out
1: all that stuff, and then you just hit the latch, and then it flips them all. Right, right. But but I guess like if a user presses this button, which oh, okay. activates the 120 second LED, okay, I can see that it has to pump all of them out. Yeah. You know, actually, that's something. Okay, so I don't know this about five nine fives. I can assume, like, if okay, it, let's say you know the first five. 595 five in line yep. let's say it's one 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 zero zero zero. you know yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. if you give it that exact same code does it do anything on it's output or does it look at it's output and say hey you gave me the same code I'm not changing anything it doesn't do that ok Yeah. when you give it a string and then you hit or a
0: string if you give it if you get a, 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 serial a data, if you give it a byte if you give it a byte and hit latch
1: it's going to change it it's going to shift its register over. It's going to shift its register over, now, but, its if state it, won't but if but it change, but, but if yeah. you give it the exact same byte that it currently has, yeah. does does anything happen on its outputs? Does it yes. glitch? No, well, no. What actually will happen is it will. I'll,
0: so if you give it, let's say you give it a, a a character. So we're talking hex. Okay. Okay. You get an A, yes. and so you have down the line you have more shift registers, but you clocked in an A again. So you only t- put in eight bits and hit latch. It actually will push that A down the line to the next one. So then you have whatever is down here
1: and then A A. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, you can you can string them. Yes. in series. But but. Okay, so here's the thing. What if you send eight ones to okay. uh, to it? You latch it, and then you send it another eight ones and latch it. Does it anything glitch. happen to it? Will not glitch. It will glitch. But do, does it? So I'm wondering, does the in input or does the uh, does inside the five nine five? Does it have like an anti glitch thing, or does it just like guarantee no glitch? It's just fast enough. <laughs> just fast <laughs> enough. I like that. Yeah, it doesn't like go down to zero and then back up to one Probably very none. quickly. Okay,
0: cool. I'm just guessing there, but it's probably fast. I've never seen that, so. It's just something I, I don't know. We need something that's fast enough to record that, like a couple nanoseconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. I bet you if we looked at the internal block diagram, it probably, however they designed the buffer that's there, it if you have a 1 on the output and you have a 1 on the input of this buffer,
1: it probably doesn't flip that output. That would make sense, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, in fact, I wonder if it actually like looks at feedback from its output. No, it, it wouldn't do that. <laughs> nah, it just no. doesn't. yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, that it doesn't have uh, open collectors or open drains on the output, does it? it? Yeah, it drives. It drives. Okay. Yeah. So it's a totem pole kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the bar, you know. oh yeah, this yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been working on the. the Brewery wiring. I sent you the the drawing I made. Well, you 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 posted on Twitter too. Yeah, uh, it's it's gorgeous. I love it. <laughs> yeah. so it looks like an appliance diagram. <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah, no. If you haven't seen it, go to Parker's uh, Twitter, which is at Longhorn Engineer with at, No O's, yeah. and and go check out check out the image. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic because it's just like. It's it's hand-drawn. You can tell it's just a guy who was, like, figuring it out as he goes. Yeah, because like, what I drew a line, I'm it. like, I need a breaker there. I drew a box over the line, and <laughs> <Yes>. breaker. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, but it's it's one of those things where it's, like, every engineer has has done what you just did yeah. at one point in time where they're, like, you know what the end result is? Yeah. And you kind of know the path in between it, but you still have to, like, define, define the Define it, yeah. yeah so and, I did drew, it.
0: and I drew that out so I knew what kind of breakers I needed to buy right. and what wire gauge I needed to spec because there's some parts of the circuit that has 50 amps they can carry some that have 30 some that have one so I'm like
1: okay what kind of gauge do I need so actually and what's funny about that and this is this is true of any schematic um, all wires in every schematic are the same yes but if you look at the end result, you're gonna have some skinny wires, and you're gonna have some big monster yeah. fat wires. So if you,
0: if you look, I drew like numbers what amperage each one was. So oh, I'm like, nice. okay, these need to be thirties. So yeah, and then I went online and I used like normal electrician, uh, two code in quotes, what you spec. So like the 50 amp 240 is six gauge. Even mm-hmm. though since it's technically chassis wiring, I can get away with like a lot smaller. But I'm like, eh, whatever. Let's just do what they put in walls because
1: I have space for it. Right, because if isn't chassis wiring or or like the quote proper wiring yeah. that's that that assumes a certain temperature rise, right? Yep. Based off of the maximum current that yeah. flows through it. And then
0: yeah. two code is almost like the current capacity double. <laughs> yeah. It's almost double. Yeah. Because like a six gauge wire can handle like ninety six amps, so. But when you put it in a wall, you assume no
1: current flow, and so you have to spec something that can't dissipate heat, basically. You know, uh, a buddy of mine was talking to me about... Um, h- I don't h- know if that's correct, but I'm guessing that's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I'm putting an asterisk right there. <laughs> So, so so this guy and his wife bought a house not that long ago and they went the route where they bought like a really old house it was built in like the 20s or something mm-hmm. like that and it's a really cute house, it's a nice house and stuff but he's been lamenting because he's having to fix the, the wiring in it uh-huh. and uh, he's like I don't know where half the crap goes, he's like I, I isolated one circuit and I, and I cut the breaker to it and then I went and tested it and there were 20 volts on it and he's just <laughs> like where the hell is
2: this coming from
1: and he said his whole house is like that and I was like Dude, you need to change that like now yeah, <laughs> before yeah. it burns down. Ugh, we got we ha- we have these rules and regulations up for a reason. <laughs> well that house was probably in code in the twenties. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Twenty volts twenties. That's <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> like where is it leaking from that it's dumping hundred
0: volts, you know? You know, that's actually probably leaking from some kind of um um did this in the seventies or eighties? Uh low voltage switching for relays like like what through the mains or something No so you would it would hit a transformer and then it would drop down to like 20 volts and then it would go to a soft switch that you could press and that would turn a relay that would turn on the high voltage somewhere
1: Oh okay
0: That was actually kind of popular in the 70, I think 70s and 80s Really? Yeah. Oh that's interesting. And so there was a code it, it that doesn't exist anymore. I've have not <laughs> seen that in a newer house and yeah, the house I rented in college had one
1: circuit that was like that but it's kind of weird that it's like back feeding so wait it had, it had an extra step down in the transformer for this soft yeah so y-
0: you would run the 20 volt into your wall to, and it, and so the switches weren't like a flip switch they were like a little press button huh
1: Yeah, that's weird I don't
0: know why they used 20 volts for that because you could run 120 to it and have a switch that was designed for it I don't know why they chose 20 volts it's almost like a doorbell circuit yeah because that's like 18 volts I think is doorbell
1: circuits it, it's it's funny when you when an industry gets volting. locked into something and yeah. they're just like we're not gonna change <laughs> I bet
0: you what it is is they used a doorbell transformer which is 18 to
1: 20 volts yeah and that's what they used for it but it's like why well maybe it, this guy's house was like the proto like test for that and he oh, has like the very first one of them maybe. oh man. or he's
0: got the doorbell wires like Bridging it or something—that's kind of funky.
1: Or there's like a slightly conductive piece of wood that is dumping a hundred wo- uh, volts across it, and he's actually getting twenty at <laughs> 20. his outlet. <laughs> That's in more. That's scary. way more scary. Yeah. That's why I was like, dude, you just need to kill the breaker, rewire the whole damn house. Yeah, rewire everything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So what I've been up to? So I guess we're on RFO. RFO. And so I think we already did your question, right? Oh yeah yeah yeah. The, the question was the. Where's the boundary between analog and digital? Ah, and yeah. I think that uh, going back to the default is if your circuit only exists in two states, then it's digital. Digital, yeah. There we go. What if you had three states? Because digital technically is three states. Well, you you, get, you got your Schmidt triggers, which are – they have a high and low transition. So yeah. that is that is a, a, a tri-state thing. Because yeah. then you have high Z, which is a thing. Well, I was talking about inputs. You actually have – multiple states on the output also if you consider it that way okay let's not open that can there there, there we go that was my question done if you have thresholding because you can do technically you could do
0: a ADC that has a threshold so it's a
1: circuit analog but your software is treating as digital well that's but that's like a software trip point though yeah that uh, so that would be all uh, that would be soft digital
0: yeah soft digital
1: (laughs) Digisoft, Digisoft, TM. If anyone wants to use that, <laughs> <laughs> another six pa- six pack of beer, please. Off. <laughs> yeah, wait, 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 wait. Let's just make sure we got this right. We have Digisoft and we have Purple Flex. Purple Flex. Okay, we need at least one more by the end of the uh, podcast. Okay. yeah. All um, right, what's the next RFO?
0: It's a a Reddit article that was on the Electrical uh, and Computer Engineering subreddit. It was summer. We've done this kind of before, but Mm -hmm. I think we should cover it in because it's the right time of the year. Is summer project ideas for a senior in computer engineering? Mm. So, I would say if you have if you're a if you're an engineer, well, you're not an engineer yet, but if you're training to be one, electrical engineer. And you have not designed a circuit board yet. Spend your summer
1: designing a circuit board. That's a good idea. I mean, the the the, the thing is, it's senior in computer engineering. That's not electrical engineering. Okay, whatever. But but so yet yeah, design. But but a little bit more specific. Yes, design a circuit board with an embedded system of some sort. Yeah, uh, that would be that would make be very it worthwhile. Like
0: it make it easier. Since this part, if this this is probably your first design, make it an uh,
1: add-on to an Arduino. Actually, okay. So yes, make it an add-on to an Arduino, but have a stretch goal, and make it have something that's not Arduino on it. Like, okay. in other words, make it make it something where you have to learn the non-Arduino way okay. in order to make it work with Arduino, because then you learn both. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And uh, in fact, have have the same worlds but different ways of doing it. Have one AVR talk to an Arduino. Uh, and, like, have them, like, pass information of some sort.
0: Yeah, I can see that. i would say just build a shield that plugs into an Arduino because you'll learn so much from that. And then the next step, I would say, is incorporate the Arduino onto your board. <laughs> just, just consume it. It's, yeah, consume it, it, like, it onto yeah, your board. It no longer Because then you're designing the, the microcontroller side. And do that as design number two. And yeah. my third suggestion is use macrofab to
1: build it. well, ah. <laughs> <laughs> sucker plug right there. Yeah, just, yeah, that was that was a gut punch. <laughs> if you like red PCBs, I know where you can get some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: how many specific projects, like an idea? What, what do you, What do you mean? Because mine was generic. Just design a PCB. But what about like a Actual project.
1: Hmm. Weather station. We- yeah. Weather. Sh- weather station is. Uh. That's good. Uh. Actually. Um. Summer is growing season for uh, a lot of um, plants. I think so- most plants grow in the summer uh not like taters and stuff like that okay so so make make a make a like uh um make <laughs> make a thing that like <laughs> make something that's like an auto watering system that like measures the humidity not the humidity like the uh the dampness of soil and will like trigger on your your watering system uh something like that and you could even do it where it's like uh you know it could you could have a light sensor on it so it knows hey i'm it's you know, dark. The, so it's it it's run. dark. If I run it now, or if I run it now, then I'll get mushrooms. So don't do that. You okay. know, like or, or or if you want mushrooms, then do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, there you go. There's there's a there's a useful thing to do.
0: I I really want to see that like one like a, a sprinkler product and it's got a mushroom button on it. <laughs> <The> mushroom mode. <laughs> mushroom <Yeah>. mode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And it's just it's not it didn't say mushroom or anything. It's just a symbol of a mushroom. That's what I would say. Yeah. With like a little LED that lights up when it's engaged.
1: Do it. It's like the bagel pin. <laughs> or or you could you could even do something that like doesn't have like a specific use, but come up with a unique way of counting the number of cars that drive in front of your house on your, on that road and like do statistics throughout the entire summer to find all that out like if you did a project actually, like that That's actually really good for a computer engineer Exactly, It's more software. That would be more software and then if you, if you went into an interview and be like look I created the hardware and I analyzed all the data to show like what a good driving times around my home you know I don't know something like that or even like go a little bit further and make like nodes and have your neighborhood connected to nodes and you could see like what's like what's the busiest street in my neighborhood at what time throughout the whole summer or something like that
0: yeah i wonder if you can use i'm thinking you can easily use like you know a camera and do image processing and figure out if there's a car because i've done that before that's actually i that that's not too hard of a problem on the on the hardware side because that's a Raspberry Pi with a With a camera. And so that's a software problem. But on a hardware problem, you could probably try to do it with accelerometer and then have the device sit on concrete. I was almost thinking like put it up
1: against the the curb so it's perpendicular to the road. Oh, I'm measuring vibration. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. I don't know if you can get a MEMS accelerometer that's sensitive enough to detect cars far enough away. I've actually done a decent amount of of, um, research on MEMS accelerometers, and for the most part, they're actually not very sensitive. Yeah, it's like it can tell if your phone is 90 degrees and that's it. Yeah, Well, they can get some degrees, but I don't know about vibration. It can pick up something that light of a vibration. Well, I mean, my first job was a vibration analysis engineer, and we tried to get uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of times we were going down to vibration levels in the, like, less than a millimeter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, worth of, or, or very low G levels. And uh, most MEMS were, like, more towards, so, like, s- crushing rocks kind of, <laughs> you <know? laughs> Sensitivity, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about a piezo? And then you measure the
0: voltage off of it. And so you glued a piezo down to the concrete. Yeah, I, I bet you could do that. Or Because um, those are pretty sensitive, especially if you get a big one. You can probably get a
1: good reading on that. Yeah. Um, What if you made like a really robust cable that was like a giant inductor and you uh, applied a voltage to that so it had a magnetic field? Or it had a field around it, effectively. So when a car went over it, it disturbed the field, and then you could read that. I, is that how the ones that they use? They actually build make those. Actually, I think that those are just a pressure tube. I think it's a pressure tube because I was
0: thinking you just said that. I'm like, what if you just had a garden hose filled with water? I <laughs> <laughs> <And> just measured <laughs> and you the just pressure. A pressure me?
1: transducer. On yeah, the yeah, end, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you ran over the pressure spiked. Uh, yeah. The 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 difference is. Uh, um, if you did a, if you did a magnetic whatever, mm-hmm. uh, then you would get one signature per car. Ah. But if you did a pressure tube, you'd have to identify how many wheels went over it. And what if okay? What if a motorcycle went over it? And then what if trade Germans like big truck went <laughs> over it? Like you'd get different signatures, but they both give a, yeah. a magnetic trip. Yeah, you could do
0: a um, uh, like like what if like a funeral progression went through your neighborhood? So you have like because what you can do is you can do like. How many pulses in a certain so, time a, period? A random circus just goes through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that would be a problem with the, the transduce, uh, with the piezo too. Because yeah. then the whole thing just going... Yeah, yeah the like there's elephants the going elephant by. Yeah, like down the
1: street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you see, if you do a project, you have to think about if a circus is going to go through your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be where the strong point of doing
0: visual... Identification might be better.
1: <laughs> well, and 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 if this is can, really for computer guys, then doing vision, yeah. at, you know, uh, coding is, is yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and especially since you can like you can see if it's
0: an elephant or a car,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, So so the vision the vision option might be actually more difficult than say the the pressure tube because that would be really easy. Yeah. Um, well, it's I, got it's got different. It, the pressure
0: tube and or magnetic field or whatever has hardware problems,
1: but not a lot of software problems, whereas the vision is the exact opposite. You know, actually, come to think about it, this is going through my mind right now, uh, the, the the pressure tube thing, you could actually probably do it without even a pressure sensor, because you could have a diaphragm that would just complete a circuit by, like, hammering it into a, well, no, you can a do PC is, board or something actually, like that. Actually,
0: you, what you can do is, you can do it without any code, is you can have a... Oh, like a, a shift you can, register? <laughs> you can, no, what you would—this is how I would do—is you'd have the transducer, and then you'd have to figure out whatever, you know, drive a car over it and figure out how much voltage that transducer goes up to yeah. on its output, and then you have that go into an op amp and trigger a pulse when it goes above that threshold, and that pulse you either amplify it or whatever you need to, and put it into a counter.
1: Yeah, and then just read that counter yeah, eventually. And, and it's an
0: electrical mechanical counter that you put into, um, uh, there's like, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but they're basically counters that you give them pulses and they just go up by one <laughs> before like counting um, people going through gates and stuff like that. Well, like, yeah. like It's, it's like the ones that you hold in your hand yeah, at events yeah. and you click the button. Yeah. They, they make versions of that that instead of a thumb pressing it, it's an electrical pulse. Yeah. Or if you want really to get fancy, the pulse hits a solenoid and presses the button. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but actually if you want to get really, really fancy, then the energy of the car driving over it is enough to activate the solenoid itself so it doesn't need a battery or anything oh, like that. Yeah, now
2: that, that would
1: be really fancy right there. Yeah. It's a completely like self-contained system that doesn't oh, need any careful. power. Well, well or, or that's like, if
0: you're a mechanical engineer.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Wrong discipline. Yeah. <laughs> or find a mechanical engineer and do a, a double project. Yeah. Yeah. And then IOT it. Right. And That's the thing to do. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have it tweet like 10 times a second. There's a circus in my neighborhood. Hashtag circus. There's a circus in my neighborhood. Oh, oh. Man. That'd be great. So there's at least one weird project for you to do this summer. i Luckily, we thing. are not going to be doing that project. Yeah. One last thing. Yeah. Do we have an SSPS update? Uh, you know, I saw on Twitter. <laughs> okay, so I saw on Twitter someone was asking about that. In fact, uh, I, I'm so, I apologize. I don't remember your name at the moment, but you said that you had binged all of the, uh, the MacFab podcast to date and that you're still waiting on an ssps update i i was i was about to tweet back at you saying i i'm also waiting on an ssps <laughs> update and one of the thoughts i had was um Parker and I were designing the SSPS sort of like as a two-part thing. Yep. Uh, I was doing a lot of the analog stuff, and Parker was doing a, uh, a lot of the digital stuff. And we both had boards made, and the last time I even turned the SSPS on, it did what I wanted it to do. It like it actually produced and regulated a voltage. Um, I had the thought I could potentially take it to Colorado and work on it a little bit and then bring it back to you and give it to you in a working state in terms of the analog stuff. Yeah. It's just a thought. Yeah, we can I do that. It's just one more heavy thing to lug up there. Yeah, it's like 120 pounds. It's <laughs> not. It is not light. And I've got a lot of other 120 pound things to move. Yeah. But and that's because that one tweet was like, if I don't do that, there's like zero chance of it happening. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, so, because um, that's the thing is, your side was working. What was? Um, I had some transistors that I I had flipped mm -hmm. uh, on my schematic, and it was like a doofus move. So I I flipped them back, and those ran just fine. Um, Really, all said and done, um, I I do need to do another board spin on it just to make sure that those transistors are in the right orientation. But um, we didn't do a significant amount of load testing, and I hadn't sent... Well, we didn't have the heat sink on it. We didn't have, the so heat- I have to make that. Right, we didn't have the heat sink on it and we didn't actually send it any digital codes mm-hmm. because there's the way we have it is we have two separate uh, digital analog converters mm-hmm. that are in like a stack. Yeah. Uh, and and whatever code you send, both of them, you can make it go positive if you send one a code and negative if you send the other code. Uh, we didn't actually end up sending them any codes, but I did test the output using just an analog voltage yep. from another power supply and I was able to control the output. So technically, the analog side of the SSPS actually works. It, it does what it needs to do. Um, it's you know there, there's a handful of things that I would need to test like okay I put it under load you know it, can it can it continuously dump a, into a load what is its overshoot if you turn it on from 0 to 120 volts at 10 amps like yeah. what like how bad does it overshoot like there's a lot of that kind of testing to be done but uh really we're we're sort of at the point where Parker and I could marry the stuff together Yep. but we would really need to resurrect it and yeah. like remember exactly where yeah. we were I think I think we
0: should I think you should take it up and then get the analog stuff done and then
1: chip it back down and then I'll finish up the digital end. Yeah, yeah, because because really I can do all of the analog work without the digital stuff because I know what your digital codes will result in. Yeah,
0: it's going to be outputting – it's SPI –
1: Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, you're sending SPI to two chips. That's the only thing. Oh, I apologize. There's one other thing that we hadn't done. We actually had a uh, an output sniffer. We had a DAC on the output that that read across a pretty high tolerance um, resistive divider, so we could actually see what the output was. So I, I if I remember right, it's SPI to the DACs, and it was I squared C. To the yeah. from the ABCs. So what, what I should do is I should design
0: a little board that plugs into that, that you can just talk to it serially over the computer, and then it will control the DAC. So you can say I want to output this, and it will do that. Great. So it'd be nice and simple because the the main thing on the front end of the digital side is actually controlling all the switches and making sure that the who's ever operating it can't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you're gonna spend more time making sure that happens. Exactly. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but if I just say, you know, you type in,
1: and hopefully you don't mess up when you press enter, we can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, actually, really, because you have an entire digital board already designed mm-hmm. that had like it had switches It i think it had a screen on it, it had a screen it was all testing those systems yeah right right so like actually we we could technically work on this in parallel separately because um, mm-hmm. i can get all my stuff done and really actually what i need to do at this point i need to run do another respin of the board yep
0: and because um, you only did half of it
1: too you're right you're so right you need to double it and do a full spin of the whole Ener- Energen- Ener- Energon cube. cube. That's right. We called it the Energon. Wow, that's old school. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I need to redo an Energon cube board. Do the official one. Yep. Um, the the capacitor stack is done. That already has all the rails on it. Uh, but I need to mount a copper block to it. Yeah. So we need when you
0: we design when you design the two stack. Yep. Is the big thing on that is because the op amps need to be a certain space yep. between them because we're going to mount them back to back. With the copper block in between, right? If I recall. Right. And um, you can't just mount the op amps to it because the op amps are live, the pad is. Yeah, and so you need you aluminum to, oxide. In aluminum oxide with, with spacers. ceramic yep. 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 junk on it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have to design the spacer. And I don't know exactly how to do that yet. I know I, we're probably going to send it off to get
1: machined. Uh, you know, uh, okay, so two options. Mauser. Has a lot of ceramic isolators. Yeah. that you can just buy. That's uh, fine. We can do that. We can do that. The block, though, on the other hand. Well, at the same time, I do know a place in Houston that will mill custom aluminum oxide. Uh, they specialized <laughs> in ceramics. If we want, because uh, so in a but in a bygone package. era, I actually designed a product that had an, an electrical isolator that was like a very specific triangle, uh-huh. uh, and you would mount that triangle to whatever machine uh you were wanting to mount your uh sensor to mm-hmm. and then you would mount your sensor on top of that and they would ex- uh, electrically isolate them but it would transmit vibration through and you would grease them up so it you know yeah you get good coupling you get good coupling yeah so if we wanted to get stupid with it we could have like custom yeah heat, but they you know, that's a standard package and they make standard yeah. oxide <laughs> packages yeah for yeah, yeah 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 um and and you know given that you know i made that design 3 years ago i'm going to look through it one more time cuz i do have some concerns about the, um, the the thing that's that really sucks is the ssps is actually fairly efficient if you want 120 volts at 10 amps. If you wanted one volt at 10 amps, you had to get rid of 119 volts in order to get that. So it's not really, it's okay. It's not efficient at the voltages that you would normally use, Use which kind of sucks. So uh, like, i you know, it's fine, but it's not anything that anyone would ever like want to use on a regular basis. Yeah. But we should finish it. We yeah, should, we should like, finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was fun. I remember yeah. like enjoying it a lot.
0: So, um, so I think that I think what we need to do is figure out what the max load on those op amps are going to be temperature wise. Like yeah. how much wattage we need to uh, not, I won't say temperature, how much power we need to dissipate. And so we can design our water
1: blocks correctly. Yeah. Because because yeah. the the thermal. And the I think its part performance of going to, is going to be tough. And I think thing. its
0: basically going to be is uh, design the copper contact area to be as thin as possible to get to the water with fins. Yeah, because
1: we so we had a rectangular block that we were going to put water through in like yep. a zigzag pattern, right? Yep. Like kind of drill through it, mm-hmm. um, and and have like well, it was copper tubing through it, right? No, no, it was you would drill. The idea was because we were trying to build this on a drill
0: press and end up not working too well, but the copper block. Say it's like two inches by eight inches, and it was like the same inch thick, and you would drill down all the way through. Yeah, the length, of the it. length, and then drill down, and then back through, and so you kind of would make a U, and then tap the exit holes, and then thr- and put in brass inserts. Oh
1: yeah, 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 I got
0: gotcha. you. And gotcha. so that would yeah, make a continual now. loop. Yeah, I th- that would work. I th- I want to see if I can design something and just get it machined. And see how expensive that is, because I'd rather do that because that's a lot less work and it'll work a lot better. The right, trick is going to be making it out of
1: two pieces and then put an O ring, and so they sandwich together. Right, and, uh, and and I tell you what, why don't you why don't you take a look at that and tell me kind of what the dimensions, oh, dimensions of, the of the water block, block are, because then because that uh, that affects the Energon cube. Yep. And uh, and and all that jazz, and I, and we already have like a whole like monster radiator for this thing. And do we have a pump for it? We don't have any of that. We don't have any of the cooling stuff. I thought we had the radiator. No, we don't have that. Oh, okay. We have the transformers and all the capacitors. Those Transformers are huge. huge. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like 20-pound Transformers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. This thing is going to be really cool when it's done. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I think we should just kick it back up and just say, yeah, let's let's finish it. Yeah, and and, and the thing is, okay, so I'm moving into an apartment next week. uh, And other than my full-time job that I'm going to be working – I kind of don't have anything to do until I get into a house because all of my belongings are going to be in a U-Haul or a a storage facility somewhere. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, for the next two or three months, I'm going to have a lot of, like, after work, like, looking at schematics, like designing mute circuits and things (laughs) kind of, because I'm not going to have an electronics bench, so I have time to look at these schematics and, like, kind of piece them together. Cool. Yep. So
0: stay tuned next time, I guess, for more SSPS updates. Oh my
1: God, we're actually doing SSPS. Yeah, we're gonna, we'll finish it. Yeah, and this is uh, this is my last like in Houston podcast. So uh, we're we're gonna look at how things work. I may not be here next week because I am in a truck driving. Yeah, uh, but the week after I should be here. Um, well, it should be here in. In audio, yeah, so. and um, we're not going to miss next week though. So right, 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 we'll, we'll yeah, make no. it work. Uh, there's, there's actually a really exciting episode next week. It'll be really fun. Yeah, Don't. so till next time, guys. Okay, that was the MacFab
0: Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. See you next time. Take it easy. We should have a really cool quote at the end, like they do on embedded. I like that. Like you see comment? you
1: later guys take it easy no, that they kind have of quote. like
0: a, No, at least you had that really cool quote of some ro- person that she's reading. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean inspirational that's inspirational quotes. Uh, yeah,
1: inspira- um what's inspirational? Hang in there. Hey <laughs> if this was a video we would put one of those dentist photos of a cat. Let's cat say like a... hanging from the yeah. yeah from the ceiling yeah. So. I think she's in there. <laughs>
0: Thank you, yes, you are a listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at MacroFab or email us at podcast at MacroFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel, which we have continuing conversations about what we're talking about on the podcast. If you're not subscribed to that podcast yet, click that subscribe button wherever you listen. So that way the latest MEP episode shows up in your inbox right when it gets you know published. Um... And make sure you review us because reviewing us makes us happy. Later, everyone. Take like a year with all the city permitting and shit.